And welcome back to the McKean Media Podcast, the podcast that brings my family into the spotlight as they share their dreams, passions, and stories of the world. My name is Christian McKean, and today I have a very, very, very special guest, one that uh, I've been wanting to have on this podcast for probably three years now, my dad, Blaine McKean. Hi. Hey, Christian. Thanks so much for being on. You know, I just felt this deep desire <laughs> to do this. You, uh, you let me twist your arm. <laughs> And I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, because I know that you uh, you don't seek out the spotlight. No, I'm a behind the camera guy. I wonder yeah. where you got that. Yeah. <laughs> got that from you, definitely. Mm-hmm. Mom, but mom's in front of the yeah. in front of the people. Yeah. She likes to get up there and she's a woman of the people. Give the speeches and do the things. She's very good at it. She is very good at it. And I think I kind of get both from both of you guys. I think mm-hmm. Lauren does too. Cool. But uh, one reason why I asked you to do this is because I have seen you get up and give s- some short speeches and do little talks in front of people. And I've seen you do really, really well with that. And part of that's what's led me to want to pursue better public speaking. That's something I've wanted my whole life since I was 12 years old. Mm-hmm. So as I can remember, I, like you know that I literally went out of my way to go public speak at that age. Absolutely. And I think I got that from you. Where did you learn how to talk in front of people so uh, well? Yeah. School. Uh, it was a elective class in high school, freshman year. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember if I took it consciously knowing that it was something that I wanted to work on, but I know that I was deathly afraid of doing it. Yeah. Um, and it's something that I've always felt you know, nervous about. Mm. Um, so, again, that kind of dovetails with not wanting to be in front of the camera, but, mm-hmm. uh, for various reasons, sometime you, you end up there. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I think taking different classes and opportunities to do it, mm-hmm. uh, you know, every time helps me get a little better yeah. at it. I don't know if I'll ever be comfortable with it. Actually, I'm sure I won't, but, um, oh, my ride's here. <laughs> It's stuff like that. Like, it's just so clever. Like, I literally just want to be able to just grab moments and just be funny with it like that. Okay. That's great. I love it. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so, as you know, this is a live recorded podcast. So, people will be listening to this later. So, I just want to know, and I'm sure people want to know, just before we get into some of these questions I have, just who are you? What's uh, just a brief synopsis of maybe your career? What, mm-hmm. what's brought you to this point here today? And then uh, I'll go into some deeper questions after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, born in 1970 in Oregon City, Oregon, and grew up in Milwaukee. Um, spent my first pretty much 14 of my first 18 years in the same house and played sports, mostly soccer, and uh, went into the military. Um, ended up being there for four years, lived in Germany for two years, traveled around Europe, uh, went to Korea, spent some time on the East coast, the West coast, and then got out and kind of worked my way into the, uh, telecom industry, which is what I did in the military and, um, did that for a while. I went to school for a while, started a family for a while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's still going on. St- good. Yes. <laughs> still going on. Glad to hear it. Um, 
yeah going strong yeah so it's funny that that you mentioned germany because that's something that i've always wanted to do with you is mm-hmm. go to Germany. Mm-hmm. I, well, I wouldn't say always. I'd say within the last like seven years of being an adult and being moved out mm-hmm. and having met so many internationals mm-hmm. and people who live in Germany and they just tell me how beautiful their country is and I see photos and I see other like videographers and people go there and post about it. I'm like, I want to go to Germany, but I want to go to Germany with my dad. Like you had that whole experience living there for how long was it? 25 months. 25 months. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you want to go because of what other people have told you about their experience there including you including me yeah yeah it's yeah i'm ready yeah i can pack here in an hour probably (laughs) (laughs) well yeah you don't have much here no i mean i'm basically on the road already so (laughs) so uh, i have a layover in germany yeah why not it's it was a blast Uh, i was a young person i was straight out of high school Mm -hmm. so after basic training and army school i i landed there in early um early 1990 so for those of you that are old enough, there's a thing called, there's a thing called the Berlin wall. Uh, yeah, you have to look up cold war mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, uh, world war two and whatnot. So that wall was a big deal. It came down while I was in basic training. I knew I was already going to Germany cause I had it in my contract. So yeah. finished my school, got on a plane and went straight there and it was pretty amazing. It was an amazing time. Kind of the East West, uh, Germany, uh, coming together and it was just it was really fun and just being a young person there with other other young people and traveling um, went to uh, Munich Frankfurt Stuttgart uh, whitewater rafted in Austria went to uh, France Spain saw a bullfight in Spain went to Denmark like a legit bullfight like a real deal bullfight yeah, yeah. I, have, I have pictures too like did someone die yeah, the bull. Wait, really? <laughs> yeah, it's a bad day to be a bull. Uh, the bull actually like died at the end every time. Oh, well, he didn't die. He didn't die like he got sick or something. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> they, he, you know, they they kind of figured that part of that process out. Yeah, he comes in alive, leaves dead. Do so. they still do that? Uh, they did in early nineties. Wow. Yeah, I'm gonna check that out. Yeah. What else? Where else did I go? Uh, actually went to Berlin uh, and got lost on the east side. Okay, so it was reunited by then, so that wasn't a big deal, but it was a it was an incredibly stark difference between what had been East Berlin and then, you know, West Berlin. Yeah. East Berlin was what your typical thing you would think of the eastern block of Europe, Soviet rundown buildings, cars on blocks, um, kind of that lower income poverty and then you go to the west side and it was uh urbanized industrialized Mm -hmm. technology so it was pretty cool wow i went to luxembourg uh did a bunch of things you still remember all that too like all the names of the places what you did while you were there yeah because it was it was just a huge part of my life um for me being the first time out of my own yeah um away from home and uh that's cool went uh snowboarding in the bavarian alps wow um had uh had a great experience so it's safe to say you've lived a lot of life you've traveled well yeah i mean i mean that yeah world yeah i mean that yeah that gets me to like age 22 right yeah and then at 23 (laughs) you get married um yeah yeah, got out of the army, met Jill like the next month. 
and we were my mom and everybody yeah just in case you didn't know his mom my wife yeah still it's 20 20 will be 29 in a couple months congratulations yeah thanks i'll take it it's longer than i've been married exactly as yeah that does make sense (laughs) (laughs) chronologically speaking (laughs) so we got yeah we ended up getting married that next that next year Mm-hmm. And yeah, twenty, twenty nine years later. You want to talk at all about your um, police career? Yeah, after I left the technologies industry, um, I felt like God opened the door for me to um, be a police officer, which is something I'd always wanted to do. Kind of a, uh, I was I was supposed to do it in the military, which is kind of funny kind of a funny story but it 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 didn't work out Mm -hmm. which is how i ended up in telecom but then full circle came back around with the opportunity to be a police officer uh got hired did that finished my bachelor's degree uh while i while i did that kind of the work swing shift till 10 p.m go home do homework write papers get up in the morning go to class in downtown portland and then get off, drive straight to work, do a 10-hour shift, and then rinse and repeat. So you had a lot of free time, is what you're saying. Yeah, it was a great great, great time for uh, just hanging out. Hanging out with the buddies. Right. Um, so you were working hard. You were supporting a family at a house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had the house on Bradley Road. Yep. So it was a little bit of property and out in the country. Yeah. Uh, I was a police officer then for 17 years. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, you're basically your whole childhood. Yeah. More or less. Until I moved out. Right. Yeah, so a little bit after you were, yeah, you were. Probably six. Yeah, I was going to say, so you were, yeah, you were six. You were five or six when I got hired then, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Did that. Uh, While I was a police officer, I was a patrol officer. I was a detective detective for uh, a major crimes detective, so working homicides and officer-involved shootings. So cool. Uh, I was a school resource officer a couple of times, which I really enjoyed. I was a patrol sergeant. I was on a SWAT team for six years as a uh, explosive breacher. Uh, that was a blast. That was a lot of fun. Really? Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, detective. Let's go back to Detective McKean. Sure. What's one of the stories you got? Just It could be anything, but I just want to hear like, What's a day on the case? Just something that stood out to you that you're like, oh yeah, I remember doing doing this and could it be something unexpected or something that you just like had to deal with or you just figured things out? I don't know. You want, you want, I don't know, funny stories or bad stories or, I, I mean, as a detective, you epic see... Epic stories. Well, kind of the more epic it is, the worse it is. Um, Go for but, it. Okay, you know what? I'll, I'll leave the gruesome ones aside. Uh, I was a detective. They might want to hear the gruesome ones. I'm just saying. Yeah, it's gruesome slash sad. So let's keep it on a higher note. Okay, all right. Let's pick one that ended well. Gruesome but happy. Uh, not not <laughs> not gruesome at all, but okay. Positive. Okay. In the end. Yeah. Uh, I was a detective, and if anybody knows the business Columbia Sportswear, the owner CEO at the time, Gert Boyle, lived in the town I worked in. And 
she okay she's a ceo she does the same thing every day gets up lives by herself very capable but elderly but still super active yeah um, so over 35 gets uh yeah yeah <laughs> by by a few months she gets in her car leaves the same house goes the same place you know goes to work same route you know at night to the grocery store same route every time pulls into her house by herself so these three knuckleheads decide that it would be a great idea to kidnap her for ransom. Oh. Yeah. And these... That's so cool. Yeah, right? Not for her. So these three um, Central American gentlemen, we'll call them, uh, devise a plan where the two guys in the minivan drop off the main knucklehead. We'll call them knucklehead one, two, and three. <laughs> And uh, they drop him off because they know her schedule. So they know that she'll be home soon. Drop him off at the house. He does one of these kind of hide behind the garage. They go back and drive down the hill and wait, wait down the road. She comes home, pulls in the garage, hits the garage door button. So it goes down as he kind of walks in the garage. Unfortunately, he has now her by herself in her garage, garage door down. And he roughs her up a little bit unfortunately and and actually she's the hero of this story um so i'll put it out there as it you know you hear about unfortunate things you can remember that this is actually going to end up being a good story but Mm -hmm. so he knocks her to the ground and kind of beats her up a bit and he's forcing her let's go in the house we're going to the house you know this is a this is a stick up type of thing whatever he said yeah she's putting in the code to go into the house because there's a house alarm mm-hmm. and she's aware enough. She, she's just so it's a super smart lady. Mm-hmm. She hits the panic button on the alarm, okay. which notifies the police. Yep. So he gets her into the house and alarm goes to the police department, which he doesn't know about. It's silent. Smart. And the police department that I worked for gets a call of a house alarm, which is 99.9 times out of a hundred is a false alarm, false alarm right. but you're trained to treat them all as that they're all real. So you're ready. Right. Officer shows up. He's at the front door, maybe knocking on the door and she's at a place where she can, there's a window and she can kind of see him or he figures out something's wrong. So he comes in mm-hmm. and this guy kind of lets her go to run and she's yelling, shoot him, shoot him, oh, which no. is awesome. Wow. She's telling the officer to shoot him yeah. as he's trying to kind of figure out what's, what's going, going on. Um, this guy runs through the bedroom, goes out the back door and jumps over the side of the deck, not knowing that it's not to exaggerate, but at least a 50 foot fall, oh not a 90 degree angle, but probably a 75 degree angle fall down this hill. Down. So, Falls down this hill, breaks his ankle, and as he goes hobbling across the street, the police sergeant showing up almost hits him with the the patrol vehicle because he runs out in the middle of the street and he hops, the guy hops the guardrail and goes down to this extremely forested area. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's kind of where we're at. Okay. And disappear. So where are you in all this? Oh, I'm at home drinking a, a lemonade. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm I'm probably watching you, you guys. Show up in this story, right? I'm probably watching you. Yeah, but come on, you got to read the first few chapters, right? Okay, all right. You just send it up. You do know how to do this, right? <laughs> I'm learning. Okay. Yeah, I'm learning just, for the best. All right, just take notes. Um, 
hops over the rail. And so police units are coming from everywhere. They figure out what's going on. Um, at this point, it's at least a burglary and an assault. Yeah. And this guy's off and running. It's, it's a deep ravine, very treed. Um, Might have been dark by then or getting dark. It, it's just a typical area yeah. there. And uh, lots of units, dogs. Nobody can find him. Um, I get called in. I show up at the house. We're interviewing her. Uh, it, it was a team effort, like a multi, um, multi-agency response to help out on this. Yeah, I just want to spotlight Officer McKean is on the case. Detective, Detective McKean. McKean Jeez. At this point, come on, you were Officer disrespectful. McKean. Well, I was just making sure. Not in the same story. <laughs> I thought you were at home sipping a lemonade as a detective, off duty. And then they call you and they're like, "We need you here." Yeah. But get in your car right now. Get your uh, your trench coat on, your special little hat. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, yep. sorry. You go do on. you do have it figured out. Please go on. Are you sure you weren't a police officer? <laughs> um, Thinking about it, then. I I get the rest of us get called. We all come in. They have a, a forensic artist show up, medical show up. They're tending to her. And, you know, it was unfortunate she'd been. Yeah, he, that he did what he did to her, but he's on the run. Yeah, units are out everywhere looking for him. Uh, a police officer sees a guy hobbling around the McDonald's, all dirty and muddy. Yeah. Just you know the basic great police work. Stops. Hey, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Realizes something's out of place. Yeah, uh, puts him in the car. They t- they radio that to us right about the time the forensic sketch is getting done. We drive down there and look at him and like, bam, yeah, this is the guy. It's the guy. Easy. Case right. closed. Yeah. Case just beginning. <laughs> uh, but it, anyway, the good news is, and just long story longer, ended up finding the other two guys. There were some search warrants served on houses and cars. They literally had a book that said kidnapping for dummies. Can't make this up. Stop. Yeah. They had planned on taking her to the, an undisclosed location, mm-hmm. kind of like, secret location and holding her in for ransom from the family because she was worth a lot of money wow so uh that didn't happen but they all three uh went to prison wow yeah for a long time so it was a good feeling that justice was served and she she survived and you were there I was. I was there with a lot of other people, but yeah, that was a great experience. Wow, making it happen. Mm-hmm. So, so would you say that a lot of what your work was, at least during that time period, was just like a lot of working with other people, a lot of team stuff to just make the the whole overall case close in the end, right? So it's not just like you going rogue trying to figure out like who's about to kill the mayor kind of thing. It's it's a lot more real life stuff. It is real life, and it and law enforcement and police work a lot of it is a team effort especially on big cases or major crimes right uh it's it's always all hands on deck lots of help people from other agencies tons of support tons of resources uh, all working towards the same goal which is justice for the victim and putting the bad guys in jail yeah and i feel like that's a good segue too to talk about your career in the swat team 
because that's yeah. that was something that I remember you showing me videos of your just your trainings, the, mm-hmm. specifically the one where you're all there. The bus explodes. Yeah, breacher. Yeah, epic video. Yeah, love it. And you guys are all behind the guy with the shield. What's that called? Shield. shield yeah, shield? yeah. It was a, yeah. It was a shield, and we were in a stack, and we put a charge on the windshield. Um, the idea was that the somebody on the bus is taking everybody hostage, and maybe you can't get through the door or you just need, you need a distraction or you need another point of entry. So we blew the windshield. Part of it was just to see what would, what it would do and if it would actually work. Right. But yeah, that was fun day. That's so cool. Yeah. Okay. So what was it like having to work with a team of people where probably all of you were in the military at some point, right? Quite a few. You'd be surprised. There were some guys that weren't, that were excellent operators. Okay. Um, but for whatever reason, they didn't. But yeah, it was the best six years of my law enforcement career, bar none. It was it was fun. It it fed that need I had that I missed from being in the military. Yeah. That even though being a police officer, I feel like like is a higher purpose. This was just another step up because the idea is that you're going to go get the bad guys that that need literally need a team of people to go get them with lots of different weapons and training and resources so it was a lot of fun you shoot a lot of guns um people shooting at you yeah and i mean that doesn't happen as much as you would think because even though people can do bad things and be dangerous when you roll an mrap or a bearcat into their driveway with a lot of lights and you're and you have people surrounding them and you have dogs and drones and robots and just every cool thing you can think of. Most of the time, those knuckleheads give up at some point. Yeah. Maybe not right away, yeah. but you start breaking windows and putting gas in their house yeah. and and all that stuff. Then nine times out of ten, or maybe seven or eight times out of ten, they give up. Right. But yeah, there's some that are very motivated. The, the I'm not going back to jail, copper types. Yeah. And so yeah, there was times that there were rounds fired and people were shot and. Um, you know, pe- victims lost their lives, but um, it was a great time. Did anybody Cr- you know, like on the team, get hurt, get shot? <clears throat> I don't remember offhand any of our guys mm-hmm. being shot. We did go to a, an, a, there was a time when the team was deployed to an officer that was shot. But no, I think most of the time we did the shooting. That's right. Which is the way it should go. It should have been. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's so cool. And I mean, I just remember like just growing up when you would you would leave the house and I mean, you would literally work a graveyard shift and you'd come home and you'd be sleeping and we'd be quiet so that you could get some rest. And then you'd be out of your bedroom an hour later with your SWAT gear on mm-hmm. and then you'd be going out to a call. Yeah, I would say between detectives and SWAT, I spent over half my career on call, um, which that's 24-7, 365. So I remember leaving you guys one Christmas Eve night, I think it was, for a, a call out of some sort. Yeah. But yeah, they could happen any time. But most of the cool SWAT stuff happened in the middle of the night. Just the way it works. Nothing, nothing good happens after midnight on the streets. <laughs> sure. So. Sure. Wow. That's so cool. And that's, I think that's one of the reasons why I've always had such a respect for you is just the fact that you've been willing to lay down your life for other people for yes, our family, 
mm-hmm. but for the society itself and and people who are innocent and mm-hmm. bystanders people who mm-hmm. would otherwise be hurt like you're willing to put yourself out there even as like a breacher when you were doing that like get in the very front of the team bust down that door mm-hmm. be ready to go in watch each other's backs yeah there there definitely is a sense of that i think everybody that puts on the uniform has a sense of that i think what people forget sometimes is that from all your training and experience and the guys around you, the women around you, you have mm-hmm. such a high level of confidence mm-hmm. that you don't even think about that. Mm. Obviously, if you slowed down long enough to ponder, you would realize, oh yeah, that's a possibility, but it's not a probability. Sure. I always felt confident we were going to win every time. And that's from decades of training and experience and shooting a gun and working with teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, yeah, between law enforcement and the military is over 20 years, yeah. Oh, wow, that's so cool. And I know I've told you this before, but just on the record, like, you are my hero. Like, you're the person I look up to when I have to do something hard. And I just always remember what you told me. McKean's aren't quitters. Yeah, McKean's don't quit. I appreciate that. I think pretty highly of you, too. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Dad. I appreciate it. Um, but, but for real, like, I just know that you've, like, you've always had big shoes and a big presence and something that like I've I considered for a while if I didn't get into videography and didn't pursue this this passion of media that I'm doing now like I probably would have gone into law enforcement with you yeah because I was like if my dad can do it like I want to be like my dad Mm -hmm. I can do it and yeah so just thank you for for that for being such a good example Mm -hmm. and really like this kind of segue in a little bit to our topic of what I wanted to talk to you about today but this has been amazing so far um one of the greatest gifts I, th- I think the greatest gift you've ever given me is your continuous dedication in your marriage to mom mm-hmm. the fact that you've always loved her you've mm-hmm. always been faithful she's always been faithful to you you've Absolutely. raised seven kids raising still raising some of them <laughs> yep a few of us are out of the house thank the lord yes <laughs> i mean yeah good job yeah independence and the whole reason why we're sitting down now is because we're getting one-on-one time because you're helping me move into my first apartment. Yeah, I was just thinking, by the time you're all independent, I will be dependent. So this is going to work out great. <laughs> <laughs> you strategize that pretty well. Right. Thank you, Lord. His timeline, not mine. But uh, the topic that I really wanted to talk to you about, and this is what I had the questions for and want to talk to you, is, is um, just life advice from my dad. Like, mm-hmm. what does it take to be a man? What was it like for you um, stepping from boyhood to manhood? A lot of that times is the military. I think for our society, a lot of what we experience is when you come out of the military, like you've seen a lot, you've experienced discipline, you've experienced what it's like to um, to work with other people, work under people. And so a lot of mm-hmm. jobs, schools, society will see that as you're competent. Mm-hmm. Like, like yeah. you are, we, we recognize you and we give you respect for that. Um, so I, I'm just going to assume that part of your, your feeling of like boyhood to manhood was military, but also like, like what was it, what was the experience like that you were married at 23? Like mm-hmm. I'm 26 and I'm not married. Mm-hmm. That's okay. You were a dad at 23, right? Yep. Also. Yep. yep. And then you were a father of a son at 24, no, 20, 26. Six? Yeah. 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 So 
what was it like for for that just like what are some of your your advice about manhood and and being a dad yeah for me putting god first is the most important thing because if you live by the world standards you're always going to be spinning because man's rules always change and i don't think it's always for the better so you have to have something to point you to north to yeah. north so for me right. that's following god and um that's the first step after that i think it's getting out of your parents house moving out on your own in some capacity starting to make your own decisions make spend your own money um as you said, become competent in something, whether that's going to school or whether that's a trade or a career, learning to depend on your yourself, um, knowing that you can depend on yourself, uh, putting in the work and not quitting, having a plan. I think all these things contribute to becoming a man, surrounding yourself with good people, um, making hard choices, maybe saying no to something you want to do or no to something you shouldn't do. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Um, all those things start to build build the, the path to becoming a man. I don't think you flip a switch and you become a man overnight. It takes time. Um, starting a family, that could be a benchmark. I think it's different for different people, really. Uh, for me, that's part of my path. Um, military, college, marriage, family, um, things of that nature, you know, getting a career. Um, those, those were all big things for me. Yeah. And, and then after that, it's becoming maybe deeper and, and better, which leads to you being more comfortable with who you are. So, um, learning how to be a dad or learning how to be a husband. Was that hard? Well, yeah. I mean, Jill and I joke that the only thing we knew how to do when we got married was get divorced. Because of your family history. Because of, yeah, because of what we saw growing up. And so we had, we were cognizant of that. Probably the best thing we ever did early on was go to pre-marriage counseling. Love it. With our pastor. Um, he really helped us out to understand each other. Um, we took a, a personality test. He read the results and looked at us and said, not only do I, am I not sure you two should get married? I don't know if you should ever see each other again. Oh my gosh. I, think, I think, yeah, I think he was serious. Um, wow. yeah, because we were polar, polar opposites, exact opposites on a personality test where she was a 10. I was a one where I was a 10. She was a one. Um, but with God, all things are possible. And, and of course he said that and we're like, well, you know, we're in love. So <laughs> this is going <laughs> to happen. Know. Yeah. This is going to happen, pastor. Right. Yeah. All years for of better experience. or for worse. Well, that's what we said. Yeah. Right. That's what we did. Yeah. So that was a big thing with learning, uh, learning how to be married. Learn how to that stay was, married. That, that, yeah. Stay married. That was a big thing. Cause then later on, you know, years later, when something in the marriage, when I didn't understand or what didn't agree with or something, just normal issues you have when you're married, I could look back and go, you know, that's why, that's why this is happening and could under, and that understanding was enough to be okay with it and keep going. And then surround yourself with other 
positive couples. That's another thing we did in church is we got involved in marriage groups mm-hmm. where we were the, you know, we were the 23 year olds just married with a baby. And, um, we were got around couples that have been married 30, 40, 50, 60 years. Mm-hmm. That helps because not only are they there to support you, but you're learning from listening and watching and associating. And you become like the people you spend your time with. Yeah. It's your sphere of influence. Right. So for marriage, that's how we did it. Yeah. And, and another big thing we did is we realized what those issues were in our past, you know, in our family past. And so we saw those as curses that we needed to break. So we prayed that God would help break those curses. And he absolutely 100% did. We couldn't have done it on our own. We're too different. Right. The good thing is, is when we're on the same page, we're unstoppable. Yeah. There's nothing we can't do because we cover all the bases. Right. Which is how you have children and you become a foster parent and you adopt Mm -hmm. and you work strenuous jobs and start a business and you're just all these balls in the air at once and you keep it going and you're successful and you're happy and it's three people that make our marriage work me your mom and god it's good like that i know that anytime i talk to people about what you guys do when they ask what your mom do what your dad do like what was it like growing up when you did um they always say the exact same thing and that's wow your parents sound amazing they sound like absolutely amazing people and i'm like yeah they're all right but truthfully it's it it is true like like what you guys have been able to accomplish it it really only can happen with your personalities covering each other your Mm -hmm. strengths Mm -hmm. your your abilities and then the willingness to continue to say yes every day Mm -hmm. yes (laughs) i remember one time i asked you um it was a few years back but I asked, I was like, what was the hardest thing that you and mom ever gone through? And I was expecting you to be like finances or like the kids or something like that. But remember your response was, um, it's always felt like it's me and your mom against the world. Yeah. hundred percent. Because where, where we came from and the things that we said yes to. Yeah. That not everybody understands right not everybody agrees you have some dissenters and you have people that say you're crazy because they care about you and they don't want you to take on too much they don't want you to fail sure but we had to take that attitude of us us against the world because we believed in what we were doing right and we had fun with it yeah we had a good time i could say that yeah it was fun it was adventurous it was difficult it was laughter it was travel it was success it was new a lot of times it was new we moved we moved once or twice (laughs) through three different states seven times by the time i was 13 okay yeah yeah you were you were part you were part of it it was not all it's not all about you christian (laughs) podcast is no (laughs) just kidding um yes well, I mean, on that topic, do you have any embarrassing stories about me? Anything that you would just love to uh, share that people can make fun of me about? Anything that I did as a kid? I know I was a pretty easy kid. I mean, as far as like the standard rebellious teenager phase, like I was a little bit more, um, 
grounded at home, not in like a you're grounded like in trouble kind of way, but like I like I stayed home and I helped. I remember helping with mm-hmm. a lot of the foster kids and mm-hmm. and helping with the business and mm-hmm. and that kind of gave me like stuff to do mm-hmm. during I think what would have been my my rebellious teenage phase, but I'm sure there's still knucklehead stuff that I did. I can honestly say there are no scandals. There's no scandal. Well, I can honestly say that too. So I'm glad that we're on the same page. About no that. scandals. Um, when you were a teenager, oh boy, you got we go. well. People that know you will understand this. So, well, people who don't, they're not going to be surprised. Well, <laughs> if they meet you one day, the, really, the only thing as a teenager is you got moody. Yeah. You got a little bit moody, sure. Uh, which is totally fine. No, you were very easy. And I think it's because you bought into the program. I think you were raised at a young age with this is how we're going to live life. And it resonated with you. Yeah. And so, yeah, you were all in, you were, you were the little brother, the big brother, you helped out, babysat, you did everything that we did. You were, you were part of the team McKean as we call it. Are there any moments where you're like, you just like heard something I did at school or something from a neighbor or a friend and you're just like, oh man, like I got to go deal with this because of Christian. You know, the story I was thinking of wasn't anything like that. Pretty much all the stories are pretty good about you. Um, the one funny story though is when we lived in Utah and you were probably, you were three-ish, four maybe. And when you and your mom and I took a walk and on that walk, you've, you, you kind of fell over, kind of both hands down first, kind of feet still on the ground, but hands first into a mud puddle. And you would have thought that you had just tripped a booby trap in Nam or something. <laughs> <laughs> you stood up and looked at your hands and saw the mud on there and you just lost your little three-year-old <laughs> mind like you did not want to be dirty. Do you mind being dirty now, Christian? No, I don't like being dirty. So the story. I mean, I literally just told you that I got a trash can with a foot pedal because I don't, don't like want to touch yeah. the trash can I, with I my laughed. hands. Yeah, well, you were the same when you were three. Wow. So that was a funny story. Who would have thought? I yeah. mean, I literally work with cameras and technical gear that can't get dirty because that's what I like. Yeah, you should wear a hazmat suit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that bad yet, but during COVID, I considered it. Oh boy, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We don't have to. Get... All right, that's awesome. Um, honestly, I want to wrap up. Um, no, let's keep with... going. You said 20 minutes. It's been 40. It's been well. No, I started the the recording early, so it hasn't been a full 40 yet. But uh, I'm glad that you're counting. There's a clock behind you. <laughs> Shoot, there is. I'm hungry. We should go get dinner. I'm not hungry. I already no, ate of lunch. Of course. Of course. All right. Well, let's wrap up with this. Um, I'd love to know, just uh, if you're talking to your younger self, that's kind of you know the stereotypical like giving young people advice kind of question is is what it's geared towards. But I want to flip it. I want you to ask if you're talking to your younger self, what would your younger self say to you now, who's looking at you, let's say, twenty five, twenty six years later. Yeah, I would think my younger self would say, good job, you figured it out. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, the thing is, I don't know if it's just me and your mom or our generation, but we never had a fear of failure. And, and it wasn't like we had to push it push it away and, and f- convince ourselves it couldn't happen. We just always 
we did whatever we needed to do and had fun doing it and always just somehow always knew we were going to be all right. We were going to be successful in whatever we did. Um, so we always had that confidence. So I guess my younger self would say you, you did, you did good because you followed God. You married the woman of your dreams. You, you did the career that you loved. You, you owned businesses and moved around and had adventures traveling and, um, it, at age 52, you're starting a second career as a teacher and so cool. Yeah. So in teaching criminal justice, teaching criminal justice so to at risk youth. Awesome. Um, yeah, it's going to be great. You kind of lived the American dream. Would you say? I, don't, I, I lived our dream. I don't know. Like you said, a lot, it, that whole us against the world thing. It's because a lot of people can't relate some people can relate to this. Some can relate to that part of what we did, but I don't know if we've ever found anybody that could look at us and really get the whole deal. Um, so it, we've lived our dream. Um, so yeah. Why, why do you think that this generation has such a big fear of failure? Cause I agree with you, but why do you think that is? I think, a generation that grows up being always told that you you won for showing up mm. doesn't understand that failure is a good thing and the struggle is okay. Because if you're always told you won even though you were last, how do you ever know that you should be doing better? Kids depend on adults to tell them right from wrong good from bad success from failure. And when adults are constantly telling children you've succeeded when you really didn't do anything to succeed, then I think that creates a, a, a child and a, a, a teenager and a young adult that expect to always be told you're succeeding and that's not the real world. Um, living in a capitalistic society, it's about producing. It's about performing. It's about, doing your best and uh, being a part of a team and a team that not just shows up, but a team that goes out there and has goals and objectives and accomplishes the mission, whatever that may be, whether it's sales or law enforcement or uh, education. I, I think that's a big issue. Um, I don't even know if they're afraid to fail or if they just don't understand the difference between success and failure. I think it's a, I think it's a lack of understanding. Probably it's a lack of perspective and a lack, uh, uh, it's a, it's a blurred worldview. Yeah. So would you say that it all comes down to like the lesson is it's not about you? Um, it is about you. It's about you and it's about everybody else, but it's about you realizing that you're going to be fine once you figure out what success means to you mm. because success can mean so many different things to different people and figure out what means success to you and realize that it's okay to fail because when you, when I've failed, I've learned the most way more than when I've succeeded. Mm. I've only known I succeeded because I failed sure. and I have surrounded myself with other people that were better than me, smarter than me, 
and more successful. Yeah. You have to, you have to have that understanding, um, to know, to be able to realize that the risk is worth it. Yeah. I think you guys imparted that to us really well. Well, I hope so. I mean, that's what we displayed to you. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That's, that's, that's the life we lived. Yeah. We took, we took a lot of risks. Tons of risks. Yeah. And in every aspect of life, we took, we took risks. Yeah. Um, but again, that's how we were raised though, that we knew it was going to be on us mm -hmm. to go out. It was about us. It was about us to figure it out. Right. Go out and make something of yourself. Right. Type of situation. Fake yeah. it till you make it. Big yeah. saying when sure. I was growing up. Sure. But the idea was you were going to make it. <laughs> right? you eventually make something yeah, of yourself. Fake it till you fail. <laughs> right. <laughs> Just keep trying when you fail. Right. And one day you'll make it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that you guys didn't have to tell us as much as you did a great job showing us. And that's kind of how we caught that. And that's how Lauren's in Atlanta, mm -hmm. you know, in the film industry right now doing what she does. And mm -hmm. I get to be here. Just moved to Seattle. Mm -hmm. Get to experience a whole new, you know, step up in my career, which I'm so excited for. And I'm so thankful for your support and mom's support. And the fact that every single risk that I took, you guys were always like, yeah, go for it. Mm -hmm. I, I literally remember coming to you in high school when I was, or not high school, college, when I was 19. And I said, mom, dad, I'm dropping out of high school and I'm moving to Los Angeles. And your response was, all right, good bye. luck. Bye. <laughs> when do you leave? <laughs> oh, you're still here? <laughs> I don't know if you remember, but I came home the week before I left and you guys had dismantled my bed. <laughs> My mattress was on the floor on my in my bedroom, and all of my bed was like in a pile on the side. Yeah, that's what you call a hint. I took it. I never well, moved back. Well, <laughs> success. <laughs> I'm sure we had your room dedicated for somebody else. No, I'm sure you did. It's not like it was going to be a man cave or something. Right, that would have been cool. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> I kind of have one now. You know, you helped me decorate. Your whole life's a man cave. Well, in a way. Yeah, congratulations. Thanks. It's Love been it. pretty fun. Yeah. Well, I have so enjoyed sitting down and talking with you, Dad. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. This is um, something that I will cherish for the rest of my life. Edit it well. I'm keeping the whole thing 100%. <laughs> you lied to me. <laughs> I'll trim out the beginning where you said, do I have to be here? No, that's what I wanted to keep in there. <laughs> the only part. Of course. Awesome. Well, um, yeah, again, thank you, Dad. I love you. Love you. Peace. And that was the McKean Media Podcast, the podcast that brought my friends and family into the spotlight as we shared our dreams, passions, and stories with the world. My name is Christian McKean, and today I'm signing off for the last time. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.